0: This is episode seven of the Transformation Chamber with national radio and media personality Keisha Nicole. In this episode, we discuss chasing purpose and not money, why you should never dim your light, and the power of transparency. With that being said, let's step into the Transformation Chamber. Welcome to the Transformation Chamber, episode seven.
1: Yes.
0: With the infamous, the beautiful Keisha Nicole.
1: Hello. Keisha. Hi, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine, you know what's so funny? Because I'm always on the other side of the interview. Right. So I imagine being an audience and they'd be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know how some people just talk like real soft? Right. Like, like hey, they barely woke up and like, yeah,
0: yeah, what's you? going on? What's yes.
1: going on? So I imagine that.
0: Let me tell you all a little bit about Keisha. Uh, man, I call her the queen of inspiration. Aw. Motivation. She is filled with energy and radio Mm -hmm. personality, has a beautiful story from like going out and get it. uh, I've been able to work with you on past events and I heard your story and I was so I was already motivated just by how you move around the city. You move with a lot of energy. But then when I heard your story, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. Mm -hmm. So, Keisha, if you don't mind, like, just tell us a little bit about you and where you came from and and how you got to where you are today in Houston. So,
1: growing up, um, I was always the kid that was, you know, very outgoing. Um, But most of my life I played sports. So like in high school, I played basketball. My mom always had my sister and I and different um, sports activities come from a single mom. i um, grew up in a house where at one point it was my granny's house. She only had three bedroom and it was me, my mom, my sister, my two uncles, my auntie, her husband, their four kids. Whoa. Like it was like, so it was only four bedroom, three bedroom, but like, the, so granny, Uncle Alan, uncle Edgar had a room, had their own rooms. Right. And then they, we had a big den. And so, my mom, me, my sister, my auntie Val, her four kids, my uncle Jimmy, and then my other uncle's kids when they would come. Everybody sitting in dinner. Wow. We had bunk beds, so we had a very. It was a very fun right. childhood, right. though. You know, even though you were struggling, it was it was very very fun. Absolutely. Um, But, uh, we finally all moved in our, in our own places. Anyway, so in high school, I played basketball. I was in student council. I was like part of everything. You know, I was like that kid that was a part of everything. Um, I won, won a formal queen when I was in the ninth grade. I won, uh, homecoming. I was in the homecoming court in the 10th grade. I was, um, uh, Junior class vice president right, in the 11th right, grade. Active. So you were very active. So I was very, very active, like in school. Um, I hosted all the school rallies. Um, on my basketball team, I was the hype woman that got the the team, cr- you know, crunched <laughs> So I kind of knew that I wanted sense. to do something. That was the entertainment. And um, when I got to college, listen, I didn't take no SAT or anything like that because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And I wasn't the smartest kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't just very smart. I was just very active and mm-hmm. I was very um, passionate about everything right, that I did. Right, right, And so I didn't take the SAT because I was afraid that I wasn't going to get um, a high score in it. So I went to community college, which is Long Beach City College. And there I got into the radio program. And then I had a, a, a show on campus um, at KLBC. I had a show on campus. Nice. And back then, it's so crazy because my first guest on there, I don't know if you guys know who, oh, everybody knows, J Rock, that's on TDE. Yep. That was my first interview wow. back then. And then K Dot came. Kendrick Lamar when you was in high school. Yeah, and I remember they freestyled on my show for like 10 minutes. And then Mila J came. And so, like, I was just like writing these labels. Well, I knew Kendrick, and then we had like ties through people that we knew. But I was like, with Mila J, I would like write to you, G, and like, we would love to have her on campus. And they came. And so, that's crazy. We made the, me, it was me and another girl, we were called the Street Divas. And uh, we had like our whole own street team, which was our friends that wore shirts and stuff like that, you know? So one day we took a field trip to K Day, which is the very first hip hop station in the country. Back in the day, it was fifteen eighty K Day. Um, it is ninety three point five K Day now in L A. And um, I had my resume in my back pocket. And I, when I got there, I handed my resume to her name is April. And Nas happened to be at the um, <laughs> at the station that day, and Nas was in, being interviewed by Julio G. And Julio G was a legend growing up in L A. and radio, and he still is. And so. Nas and them said we could sit in on the interview but we sat in the other room this room with the the mixer so we sat in and that and afterwards Nas was like I would love to invite them to my album release party tonight man like we're just some kids in college and we're so excited and so we're like screaming like we in the elevator and we're like oh my gosh Nas is inviting us to the, the, the. <laughs> so we imagine. all go back and to Long Beach and get dressed and then uh, drive back out to um it was like Santa Monica or Hollywood or something like that. And while I was there, I was speaking with April. She was a promotions coordinator. And I was like, hey, I know. I gave my resume, blah, blah, blah. We kind of built at that. And this is where building relationships come into hand. Absolutely, absolutely, You know, until we kind of built there. The next day, they called me back. I was at work. I worked at CVS. And they called me. And they were like, hey, we'd love for you to come in to interview for internship. And I was like, yeah, let's go. That's crazy. So I interviewed for the inter- internship the next day. I got the internship and I started when I started the first week, I was like, I'm quitting my job because I know if I can get in this building, I can get in job in radio. Because exactly. I know my house, so I knew what I wanted to do at that point. Let
0: me ask you a quick question real yes. quick. So <laughs> two things. One, I agree that growing up, when you grow up uh, let's just say under the poverty line or whatever, mm-hmm. and but you have such great experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in the hood and sometimes I try to explain to people, I was like, "It was it,
1: the best experience yeah,
0: yeah, ever? <laughs> like you you get to do things that you don't normally get to do. You mm-hmm. hang out with kids. But you said something that I just found profound you were headed to a field trip but you thought to bring your resume yeah. like what was your? <laughs>
1: was my back pocket, like, literally. like
0: what was your mindset i was the
1: only one that took a resume with me
0: i, I bet like kids mm-hmm. aren't thinking of that yeah. so like you were thinking ahead early yeah like but again that goes back to that passion and that yeah. grind that you had inside yeah. of you
1: I just this is what I when I figured out this is what I wanted to do, I was like, oh, I'm gonna just go hard. I love it. And that was what everything I I did, even though I played basketball, I wasn't the best boss, basketball player, but I remember getting the award best inspirational player. Like yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. Where I got most school spirit in school. I wasn't always the best at everything I did, right. but I always but you did
0: it all the way. Yeah, I did
1: it all the way. But in radio, I'm the best at what I do. I, period. I agree. I agree. You know? And um, so I got the internship, ended up quitting CVS. Got an internship at the um station, and when I got there, I started getting in a little trouble with some of the people there. Um, some of the other girls, it, it, and I didn't understand it because we were young and radio uh-huh. uses, you know, a little competition thing going on. And I remember one day I got fired. A lady called me and fired me for my internship, like a month in. And I was like, excuse me? What did I do?" Whoa! And then it dawned on me. Um, it's a, it's a weird situation, but I'm gonna be very candid about it. Cause if I write a book one day, it's gonna be in there. I walked up on the car. And I saw her doing something to somebody else. And so I, oh. that was his whole situation. So she I ended up getting to get my internship. She had to cut
0: those ties. I ended
1: up getting my internship back. Like two weeks later, or maybe okay. it was like a week later, and they I couldn't intern anymore in radio, but I mean, and, um, promotions. But it was a blessing because I start, um filling in for the receptionist, and then I was interning in the cell as a sales assistant, and it gave me an opportunity to see how radio really works. Uh-huh. So at this point, I'm working in different departments now, and a lot of times um, people have this focus of only you know focusing on air, but you have to understand the entire station and how it's ran. Absolutely, so you can be the best at your job. Exactly. So the, one of the girls quit as a receptionist, so I started being a part time receptionist. Other girl quit as a receptionist. I started being a full-time, full-time. receptionist. Right. And mind you, my drive to, to and from work for internship receptionist, whatever, it was an hour and a half with traffic. So an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. <sighs> and I wasn't getting paid, obviously, as an internship, as an intern. And so sometimes I wouldn't have gas. So I lived in... Um, like Bellflower was like Long Beach area at that time. And my best friend, she started work at the station in sales. So I would drive to Compton, which was like 15 minutes away, get in a car with her and mm-hmm. ride with her because I didn't have enough gas. Right. Or I'd be riding uh. on E and be pennies. Or Julio G, he'd be like, he should go give me something to eat. Here's $100. Or Yo Yo, the rapper, she was on the on her personality. And which is like my sister now, she gave me $100, We'd be like, keep the change. And that's how I would get money. It would be like some God just blessing me real quick, you know? Man. It was like those type of situations. So, anyways, um, I remember being there as a receptionist and this guy came. And as a consultant, his name was Harry and He said, you have a great voice. You want to be on the air? And I was like, sure. And so he was like, all right, you start next Saturday. Wow. <laughs> From 6 to 10. Wow. And I was like, okay. Because I would always bring in my college demos for the personalities to listen to. And I would ask them to critique me. Right. So I was like, shoot, I'm ready. So I would go by K Quick in college. Um, they called me K Quick with the fast tips because I talk really fast. And so when I got on the air and I did my first break, I was like, yeah, 93.5 is K Quick, da, da, da. My boss ran in there was like, don't you ever use that name again. <laughs> He was like, uh, Keisha, what's your middle name? I was like, Nicole. He said, you are now Keisha, Keisha Nicole. Nicole <laughs> you know, apply to the men, okay? Shout to out the men.
0: Uh, shout out to his boss. Uh, I A- was like, A- what? Adrian Scott, A.T. <laughs> <D. laughs>
1: so, yeah, I did Can't that quit. for about like three years. And um, it was always those moments where other people couldn't show up because something happened and I would be there.
0: Hey, you know what you made me think of? Positioning, mm-hmm. like you made sure, even even if it wasn't the position you wanted, mm-hmm. you were in the proper position to capitalize soon as something Absolutely. opened
1: up. And I'll never forget my very first big time radio was low camp, and it happened BT Award weekend. I don't remember what year, two thousand and maybe like seven, eight, or something. And the guy who did the night show could not come to work; he called off of work. And I was a receptionist. And they were like, we have nobody else here to interview Kim. Man. Keisha, we need you to interview Kim. And I was like, little Kim? Like, I wanted to be Kim growing up. Right, like, I'm not lying. Right, like, I right. loved Kim. So um I was interviewing Kim. We was talking. And this is when, like, online just started getting popping. Uh-huh. You know, like, online just started popping. And so we had people from New York listening in Jersey. And it was like, BT Award weekends. And all this other stuff and Kim was um, so nice and I remember at the interview I said that was my first time doing um, an interview on air she was like what and I remember Kim, little Kim saying you are amazing at what you do you keep doing this you're going to be one of the best in radio absolutely I promise you absolutely. and I'll never forget that and I remember her inviting me to the BT award after party that next Sunday and um I come in and the guy of the security was like you can't come in the VIP Kim was like no she's with me
0: aye, I was like hey so start. I to feel it I
1: was I like it. oh my god
0: hey i would have walked in there with my head so high i was like no no fam uh this so let me ask you something um because i read this in your bio and if anybody knows you like i can feel it right now like this don't even feel like the transformation chamber like as soon as you start talking i felt like i was at the radio station so i read in your bio that you felt like you were born to do this right so what is that like you know knowing your passion at such an early age and is do you think that's uh what allowed you to make such king decisions like bringing your resume or taking these jobs you know man
1: just. i didn't know if it was right ra- i knew i think by senior year of high school i knew i wanted to do radio what happened was me and my cousins were in like a singing group and i was like the rapper but i remember this guy saying to me one time we was at a record label or a studio or something and he was like um yo you have such a great voice like you should be a radio personality and that when he said that to me it stuck with me i was like okay i don't really want to do this music thing i uh-huh. really don't think it's gonna work anyway so i don't want to do it i said maybe I'll just go after this radio thing. So it stuck with me, but I didn't really think I could do it. But let me tell you guys something. When I was in high school, MySpace days, there was a lady named K Slider was on radio in LA at 93.5 The Beat, 92.9, whatever, 92.3 The Beat, 100.3 The Beat. And I would hit her on MySpace. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, slide. Woo. woo." I would love to, you know what I'm saying, get some game from you. And she would, like, write me all this stuff. And then I would pull up to her at her live broadcast in high school. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or when, like, um Steve Harvey's street team would come to our school, I would, like, sit there and talk to him. I would show up to these live broadcast, right, y'all. Right, right. Because by the time yeah. I was a senior, I knew what I wanted to do. This so is tugged on me.
0: This is insane. Like
1: I, now that I'm talking, I forget that I did all of that stuff. Now
0: listen, and that's planted
1: those seeds. That's
0: a lot. Mm. Yeah, and and look where you are today. So now, uh, obviously, you're just doing it off of passion. Like yeah, I tell this you this all the time. Passion. Your energy yeah. is infectious. Thank you. Like your energy is infectious Thank through you. the radio. I feel like you're talking to me. I'm like, well, yeah. now, How is this possible? So um, now I like to, I always like to ask people um, in terms of purpose. Do you have a uh, a purpose or or your why behind what you do now? So,
1: like, I have literally um, realized that my purpose is to be light. I love it, and so and it took me a while because I would dim my light so much, guys, because my energy and 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 my drive would sometimes. Offend people, and I would allow it to, and I would struggle with that because coming up and and against other girls in radio, I would dim my light around them because I just didn't, I didn't feel like I should be this this big person, this big personality because I just didn't want them to feel you know inadequate around me. And I still don't like people to feel like that around me. I try to do what I can um to include everyone, but um I I've learned that I was designed to be light in those dark spaces, and I say that because when I when I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, with a hundred dollars, by the way, that's a whole different story. I remember um thinking like, Okay, God, like, why do you have me in Louisville, Kentucky? But he he really set me down, and I realized my purpose was to help the younger generation, the youth, and there was so much negativity. Even when you listen to music, they didn't really have people, they didn't have idols, or these people that they look up to were so, you know, it was all about drugs yep, and sex yep, and this yep. and that, and I never wanted to be about that, and I remember asking my pastor, I was like, I can't work in this industry anymore, because it just, like, burns me, and I said, why Why would God, you know, I was really conflicted at the time. I said, why would God have me in this place that's so dark, like, why Why would I be here? He said, because you're supposed to be that light in that dark place, Man. and he said... Industry is is dark, but you have to be that light, you know, for these people. And I was like, oh, okay. You know,
0: that makes me. It reminds me of um, the poem by I think it's Mary Ann Williamson. Our uh-huh. deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I am
1: very scared of how powerful I am at times that I don't even go after. The big, big things that I should, because I be like, holy, it scares me so much yeah. because I know what God has ordained over my life is so massive. Wow, it scares me.
0: So I, I've heard you a couple times now drop, you know, the G bomb, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about how uh, spirituality and just your relationship with God plays a role into. Where you got so crazy
1: because I'm gonna tell you what really got me closer to God. It was when I was working in L.A. as a receptionist and I was a receptionist during the week. But um, on the weekends, I was on the air and I was there was somebody who I was really close with and her and I were getting it into it so bad. And it became such a negative thing at that radio station that I was almost drained and I was I hated going there at this point. And and it, it felt like I didn't have any friends anymore, and I feel like people were siding with this person, and I felt I didn't feel good. Like it made me so sad, and I didn't know what direction to go in at this point. And I also knew I wanted more than just being a receptionist certain week and weekends on the air. Right. So, guys, I was the, I was so stressed and so down about it that I was going to church on Wednesday, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. Sheesh! Because I needed voluntarily. To be yes, I was like <laughs> I was like um, Bishop Noel Jones in uh, uh, in LA. I was at his church, and I was like, I need this. Like I. I can't. That was just a Wednesday was to get me through the week. You know what I'm saying? That didn't keep me focused. Sunday was a Sunday morning church. That's when I got the closest to God because I was going through so much and I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in.
0: So what do you say right now to a young lady or man who is constantly dimming their light, who is not showing the world what they really could be? haven't gone through what you've gone through if you could speak to directly to someone right now
1: well you're you're doing yourself a disservice because you you're going to be miserable you're going to be angry you're going to um resent everyone else because you have this bottled up inside of you and you don't want to be that way absolutely you know like you're doing yourself a disservice like just let your light shine and and i tell people all the time like you mad at my blessings take that up with god talk to him mm. you, i ain't got nothing to do with ain't that got nothing to do him. With like yeah you know
0: and i'll submit this as well not only are you doing yourself a disservice you're also doing a disservice mm, to other people mm, 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 because you are here to do something to create somebody something up in here to make somebody hey where the somebody collection player listen at? You?
1: listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Because we're not really <laughs> here for us, and we're never we, we don't go through these things just so we can keep it to ourselves. Right? Helping other people, exactly. So you're so right. That's powerful.
0: I love it, man. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Okay, so uh, I read that you have something called uh, is it Under the Influence?
1: Yeah, Under the Influence. Is something I started like a year ago that I'm still like grasping because I wanted to create a platform where it wasn't just about music, but it was about storytelling mm-hmm. and 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 shining the light on people that are doing great things. With music, not with music, with sports, with everything. And um what happened was when I started it last year, I ended up getting real sick because fibroids, I had it's fibroid awareness month right now. I started getting really sick with fibroids. Um that I had to I had to have a myomectomy last year. Oh um, that surgery. So I was out of work.
0: What's a myomectomy?
1: Um so when they cut your stomach, like a C section and they take the fibroids out and sew it back in. Okay. And so I was out of work. It was the first time I was had ever been out of work like that and 15 years and since I had been interning I didn't take vacations I didn't do like my friends they was going overseas and you know taking trips I wasn't able to do that because I was on my grind and I wanted something so bad so this was the time God really set me down and so um I had the myomectomy and then I had a, a vocal surgery a month after two months after that when I got back to work mm-hmm. because my voice was going out and so then I couldn't talk for a week after that then I couldn't use my full voice for you know a month after that so last Man. year God really, and then I caught the flu really bad which now I think it was corona back in November so I was sick all of last year period wow. and so I was grateful for that now and, I, and I, then I found I saw what God was doing he was like hey Top of the year, I am blessed you with the new morning show. I'm giving you this, these voiceover works with these other markets, and right. I'm going to syndicate you on the weekends of the markets. So he was really preparing me for what Four. he was going to do this year for me. And so I, you know, when you, I think back on it, I'm like, oh, I get why exactly. I to, yeah,
0: hindsight is twenty twenty. Man, yeah. So no, it's interesting that um, one. T- sometimes when we go through things, it's easy to question everything yeah. and get upset and get mad. Yes. But then you you realize you're being prepared for mm-hmm. through something. And then, uh, I, heard a, I heard like a quote, or I don't know if it was a pastor said, like, sometimes we get drugged through the mud, but the good thing is that God had his hand on us the entire time. The entire <laughs> you know what I'm saying? time. And then we come out clean. So, the um,
1: entire time.
0: You talked about your blessing that you received at the, the top of the year mm-hmm. uh, by uh, taking the coveted position of being the morning show host mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. at a station that is so loved by mm-hmm. its city. And, um,
1: and not even by the city, the country... This is one of the most legendary stations. Even working in L.A., people die to work at The Box. It's a legendary station. Wow. Period. I didn't even
0: realize Mm -hmm. that. Being from here. Yeah,
1: even Khaled. I remember Khaled, we were on an Instagram live with him um, a couple weeks ago when we were doing something for the graduation. He was like, man, um, The Box, everybody, you know, it's a legendary station. And like, everybody knows like The Box is legendary. That's
0: super dope to know, man. Mm -hmm. As a a native Houstonian Mm -hmm. myself, can you talk about the, uh, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, the trajectory from station to station That landed you here And what yeah. was going on In your mind at the time Did you Did you see this coming Or was it like a, I'm just gonna Wherever I'm at That's where I'm gonna be Well when know?
1: I When I was in LA I was like man I'm one of the best I knew I knew I was one of the best But I knew there was I, I had to be polished I knew there was things I had to go through And mm-hmm. it was a necessary time For this Now, I've always wanted to be In the Houston market Kid you know That's always been on my list that's And dope. so when I was in LA and I remember my boss coming in and said, you're the first to get here, the last to leave, and the least to get paid. I was already fed up at that point with the stuff that was going on there. And I just, I prayed and I quit. And I tried to go back to school and I said no. And I got a call. And I was like, dang, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I had a call from Louisville, Kentucky. And they were like, hey, we have an afternoon drive position open for you. We would love for you to come out and interview. And I was like, I'm not moving to Louisville, Kentucky. Like, what? I'm going to L.A. Right. But in L.A., everybody that's been in the place have been there Big boy's been there for centuries and so-and-so's been there forever. My, no, none of these guys are moving Nobody at this point. Moving, you know? yeah. And the station I was working at, had went straight syndication. So I knew there was no chance of me moving up at that station at that time. So I, I went to Louisville to take that interview and I saw the city. And I said, I can't move here. I'm not moving here. This is this no. And then I went back and I said, no, you have to pay your dues. You have to do this. Sometimes you have to take 10 steps back to take 10 steps, one yeah, step forward. Yeah. And so... I moved there with a hundred dollars. My uncle gave me a hundred dollars and my cousin Cynthia called her friend Wendy and said, my cousin Keisha's moving there. Can you please let her stay with you? Okay. Cynthia met Wendy in the, in the military. Uh-huh. That's how they knew each other. Wendy was like, yeah, she let me stay at her house. Um, until I got my first check. She let me use her car into my car, got shipped. And then I got my apartment. Okay. Uh, like, shout yes, out to that's, Wendy. That's, uh, we yes. You, shout Wendy. out to Wendy. Like <laughs> I'm serious. Cause I was out there by myself. Right. And so, um, I struggled there. I, cried. I would cry. I'm driving on the freeway, like, I can't live here. And so it actually being one of the best places I had ever lived in my life. I was there for five years, and I remember being there, and I would be like, man, I'm so good. Like, what? And I remember, um, Hurricane Dave and in Atlanta and Maria Moore that worked in Atlanta. They'd be like, "Man, this girl named Keisha." And Bill Black would be like, "This girl named Keisha. She's so dope." In in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, and Hurricane Dave, he was the the PD in Atlanta. and I'm like, "He's like, I told girls to listen to you when they call me for advice. I said me in Louisville, Kentucky. Wow, you know. So I knew I was on the right path. I knew something was gonna pop right, eventually. Right, right. And so I got a call to go to Indianapolis, which was only two hours away. So I went on an interview in like December and I didn't hear anything. They hadn't filled the position. And in February they called, they said, Hey, we need to come do afternoon drive there. So I moved there. Okay. And so the salary, cause I was making 25,000 in Louisville and the salary went a little bit up when I went to, um, you know, to Indianapolis. So I went out there, I killed it. And I tell everybody Indianapolis was my favorite place because i met, made some of the best friends in my life, uh-huh. and some of the best relationships of my life, and my best friends from living in Indianapolis. So I remember being there. I said, hey, I'm only going to be here 10 years. I wrote it down. And I found the paper the other day. I wrote down everything I wanted. I said, I want to either be in Houston, Dallas, or somewhere else. And I said, I can't go to Houston because at the time, and I'm going to be very candid, it was a girl on the radio here that I wasn't getting along with. We started together in LA and we uh-huh. didn't get along. And I was like, man, I don't want to go in that market and have any trouble, blah, blah, blah. No, know she knows everybody. And then the boss, Terry Thomas, that I worked for, she was like, um, I remember calling her when I was in Louisville, Kentucky for some advice. She ripped me to shreds. It was out of tough love, though, to get me to be better. Right. You know, and so I was scared to work for her. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie to you. Terry is tough. I know she's Terry. very tough. Yeah. So I was scared to work for her. So I said, man, I'm probably gonna go to Houston. Man, and long and behold, she ended up, you know, um, leaving, and they had the position open. And I remember everybody said you should go for the position. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not gonna go for that. I'm not gonna get that position. Kind of sacked myself Damn out. Damn that
0: light, man.
1: <laughs> and and so I remember, um, I guess a couple of people who had called Terry. Said you need to hire Keisha because Terry called me and said, so you're not gonna apply for the position. You you, you scared? What you doing? Like why you not apply? I was like, I don't know. She was like, can you fly out here, uh, for? Uh, uh, next weekend for be on the air, you know, for your trial. I was like, sure. So I flew uh, out there, and um, I killed it, and I still wasn't sure. And I was like, man, I hope I get this job. I wow. was like, but I remember Ricky Smiley coming to our studios a a week that week that I was gonna fly to Houston. He came to Indianapolis. He had he was on tour, and Ricky had knew my name from through the company. He said, Keisha you going to be all right no matter what, blah, blah, blah. He was like, you know what I'm saying? We're looking for a younger girl for the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. And so I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to Houston to interview. And he's like, man, if you get that job, Houston's a dope market. Take that. So Ricky gets on the air. And he starts telling the Steve Indianapolis how I'm a gym and I'm a blessing and how I'm gonna be man. I'm gonna go so far in my career. Like he went <laughs> in, like and and everybody was like, Wow, he just gave a whole word on this girl. Like he's like, Y'all don't understand what y'all have in this woman right here. Yeah. And me and Ricky, Ricky had only met, that was my second time meeting Ricky. Yeah,
0: but you got this, you got this thing, man. Yeah. When, when 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 you meet when people when I met you, uh-huh. let me just talk about my personal spirit. I was like, yo, like what is <laughs> like what is this 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 energy, like yeah. this? It's so inspiring. Like I said in the beginning, Thank it's you. very inspiring. And so you're definitely in the right market, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, to be empowering. Not just young women, but just yeah. people all together.
1: Yeah. So I was there for two years. Then they, I did the tryouts, and then they sent me a big bouquet and said, welcome to Houston. It was like <laughs> the biggest bouquet i ever seen in my life. And I remember Swear. crying. I still got that video. I remember crying. And I packed my stuff, y'all. And I was like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and I came to Houston to do middays. And then middays turned into doing... The morning show, at the, the th- My this is my third year now, at the top of this year, I had never thought in a million years I was going to be on mornings, me, Kiati, and J-Mac, our, our own morning show. Like, Man. who would have ever thought? Like, I never, it just wasn't in my, right, I, I knew right. I wanted to do a morning show eventually. I always said that, right. but I didn't know it was going to be um, this soon.
0: And then, just to speak from a Houstonian perspective, mm-hmm. we grew up on J. Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Chiati had Dreads and was an yeah, artist. You know yeah. what I mean? But and he he showed him both of them show so much love to the city. Yeah, like it's just such a great fit, uh-huh. and to bring your energy into that, man. Y'all are like, you know, y'all we're are figuring crushing it out too. Yeah, it's crazy man.
1: because we're learning, and we started this morning so in the middle of a pandemic. Like we started morning when a yeah. pandemic hit. But honest to God, I feel like. We came at the right time. The city feels us. Absolutely, they They see that we care. Um, we're, We're helping them through a time like this. And so, I, and i never forget, Ricky Smiley came in last week. Because, you know, his daughter's going through that stuff. Yeah. And Ricky, we all have met Ricky at different times in our lives. So, J-Mac had already knew him. And the key he had met him, they were talking about that thing. And so, I was like, Ricky, remember you said down about?" He was like, wow. And so, after the show, he's like, man, I'm just so proud of you. Yeah. Because now, Ricky's on in the morning here. And I'm going against Ricky Smiley. <laughs> like, what?
0: How crazy is that? It's you know? crazy. crazy.
1: Um, so, it's definitely been a journey. Oh, my gosh. I so love I it. So, I always say, L.A. raised me louisville changed me no louisville saved me indianapolis changed me and houston pays me
0: there we go i love it i love it (laughs) all right let me let me ask you something um and i know some people uh can get this twisted but i know you you i love how you refer to yourself as the best Mm -hmm. like it's no i see the conviction in your eye when you say and i was the best right what does that come from where does that stem from how do you walk and exude that every day knowing that? Because
1: I know it's my calling. Like, I know God blessed me with the gift. Mm. I know that. And, and the confidence part is crazy because I wasn't always confident. Man, let me tell you, I was chubby, like, growing up. I had thick eyebrows. And um, I came up in a time where, so I grew up, when I grew up, it was, like, a lot of Hispanics and whites and Asians. And so my cousins, a lot of my cousins are half Hispanic, right? So... I would see them and be like, well, why? I, I didn't like, I, I was, I'm not gonna say I didn't like being black, but I didn't understand how beautiful black was. Uh, I, you know, I saw my family was black, but in my school, we were the only black family except right. for these other black kids. And so when you have a young kid not invite you to certain things, cause you're black, like that really took a toll on me. So I did not love being black and being myself. till I got older, wow. to be very clear. I was chubby, thick eyebrows. um, And I just didn't love myself.
0: How did that? How did that? Um, like, what? Can you walk us through the feelings and ex- that you were experiencing? Yeah, see, here's
1: the thing. I've always been cool though. Everybody always loved me. Uh-huh. You know, so is it, I love the fact that I had to go through those things because I was always operating strictly from the heart and strictly from a personality standpoint, and because that's all I to me I had to offer at the time. Mm-hmm. So as I got older and grew into my looks, now I have the whole package. You know, right, Yep, absolutely,
0: so, absolutely. Yo, no, that's crazy. Uh, we talk about. Just the trauma of growing up black, yeah. right? And even for me, and if if I'm be honest, uh, a lot of African people can agree with this. Mm-hmm. Like coming here, the African American kids were really tough on us, right? Right? Like, right. Know, like yep. all kind of. I was yep. talking to somebody the other day about the neighborhood I grew up in. They would uh, try to fight us simply because we were different. You That's know what crazy. I mean? And obviously, everybody African booty scratcher and all kind of all names. All kind of. Names. And so we all have this trauma from our youth, but we have to overcome it. Uh, were there certain what, at what point did you start transforming into like? Man, this- it was
1: it wasn't until I moved away from L.A. Because mm. you got to think L.A. is about the f- side, yeah. L.A. the pretty girls in this Absolutely. Isn't and the great bodies, and it wasn't until I went to L.A. and started focusing on my health myself and really working out and I always played ball. So it wasn't that I was never in shape. I was just pleas- as this guy named Emerald shout out to Emerald. He told me when we were in class, he's like, you ain't fat. You just pleasantly plump." The crazy thing is Emerald now lives in Houston and listen to me on the radio all the time. <laughs> and, but I, we ran into each other at a grocery store. It's crazy. That was all the way back in LA. I said, Emerald, remember when you, I said, I always, this sticks me all the time. You call me pleasantly plump. <laughs>
0: for <laughs> so keeping it nice,
1: but um, it was until I moved away and got to really focus on myself, right? Had to feed for myself, had to learn about myself, had to. I was by myself, God had to isolate me by myself.
0: So, um, just question given uh, all this going on, and, and I, again, I, I always ask this question right now because it's so important. Uh, police brutality, mm-hmm. right? We can even throw the pandemic in there, mm-hmm. right? Breonna Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. She, she's she's like you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, George Floyd, all these people you know where are you with everything right now how do you feel man about
1: i have been so drained and it was because here's the thing we have a responsibility as honor personalities right um, we have a responsibility to one try to keep the peace but two um to be the voice you know you have to be truthful you have to um speak your truth live your truth and i wasn't an always as an honor personality i wasn't always um that confident in speaking my truth uh-huh. about my people and standing up for my people um and so when this stuff happened I knew I said oh we're on the front lines right. we have to stand for a up for our right. people. God put me in this position for a reason I'd be damned if I dropped the ball on this you know what I'm saying so it's been a learning curve for me and and the rest of the guys too like just really like having to be on that front line and and and, and I used to didn't want to offend other people, yep. or other races, but it's not about offending yep, them. Yep. It, it's about getting justice for these people. Absolutely. So there's some things when I leave on the ra- when I leave um, from on the air and I'm like, dang, I said that for real. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the truth. It is it's what it is. There. You know, it's out there. And I'm like, dang, I really said that because, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never said that. And I'm so proud of the person that I've grown into. As it pertains
0: to No, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable mm-hmm. and honest enough to say that because a lot of people won't say that. Yeah. Now that it's a, a fad to be mm-hmm. woke and it's a fad yeah. to be, you know, like you yeah. know what I mean. Or, or uh, obviously, we were all affected and hurt mm-hmm. by what's going on, but mm-hmm. some of us, and you know, just I could, I, I remember a time when I was sitting in a room full of white people in corporate America, and I'm like, <clears throat> how do I water this down? Not to, mm-hmm. but now <laughs> it's I don't it's care like, about it. Yeah, because- it's like.
1: No one cares about us. I mean, people care about us, but it, at the end of the day, you know, and I don't want to say this, but, you know, if you want to, if, if you don't want to hear this, there's plenty of other radio stations that you could listen to right, that, right, you know, right. won't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, no that, we have to talk you, about it. And the crazy thing, I remember I said on the air, um, and Kiati was like, whoa. I was like, no, nah, I want to, you know what I want to talk to right now? Call up right now if If you grew up in a racist family, because I think the root of a a lot of this is racism Mm -hmm. and systemic racism. And I said, a lot of these older parents are, you know, instilling this in their kids. So I want to know what this conversation is like in the household. Mm -hmm. Call us up right now because I would love to talk to the white racist families. And you and they called up. And it was young kids You know this This generation of kids Right now I'm yeah. proud of them Yeah Oh my gosh I'm so Because they're making Decisions on their own Absolutely I had you know White young girls Calling and said My parents didn't agree With me having black friends So guess what I left the house I got kicked out the house I got But this is what Our conversation were Inside of our house This is how my parents Don't talk to black people Black people are The scum of the earth Black people are this You know so like Those conversations Are necessary Because I want to know Where the racism And the hate is coming from
0: Wow One interesting question that, that I've been asking A lot lately mm-hmm. uh, Just to see you know where you're coming from with everything, if you could stand in a room full of white people right now, uh, what would you say to them?
1: I ain't never thought about it like that. That is a, that is a good question. I haven't, I haven't thought about it. Honestly, I don't <laughs> I, At this right now. I don't know because time. man, I've been in this place where I don't care how y'all feel like how everybody's trying to get white people to make us make them understand how we feel. And right. I'm at a point where I like, you've had so long to understand, right? Or to try to understand, and you felt to just like Drew Brees when he made that comment about Kaepernick a long time ago. Then he made the comment recently and he was like, I apologize. No, you had from the time you made that comment about Kaepernick up until now to understand, right? But you understand now because everybody's coming at your head, right?
0: Right, right, So that's how hey, it was really hey, I felt it for real. So no, I, uh, I but think Drew Brees is what
1: I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, th- I think that's interesting, and, and uh, I have some. People who they are like, I'm profi- I'm bewildered, or I'm just perplexed that they are actually now just waking up to the fact that we're struggling in the country. I'm just like, really, like
1: y'all are just understanding this, yeah. But you know what? I do have a coworker, Laura, and I shouldn't even say I don't care that you don't understand and you had all this time, but because I have a coworker named Laura, she understands so thoroughly and she goes so hard for, and she feels so much compassion for. That's what I was just about to get to, and empathy, and she, and she. So much that she's been getting into with her family. Right. She's lost friends. She's a white girl. We're lost friends. Right. You know, going so hard because she feels us. Right, like right, She right. understands. She gets now, it.
0: I was literally, and I was getting to, but I have some friends, some white friends. Uh, one of my homies, Daniel Goshchalk, who's the CEO of a large company. Um, And just other friends that I have, they are right there with us at the protest like they and I'm like so I applaud them and not just, not just white people Asians like you know Indians whatever but the people who feel the struggle of black people that's yes. been going on for centuries and so like, I'm, I'm super grateful to those people who are willing to stand with us and yep. us standing up for ourselves yeah. uh, and finally getting some just do, hopefully. We got a long way to go. We got a
1: long way to go, man.
0: So, you know what? I want to try some stuff with you real Yay! quick. Are
1: we Are going to play a game?
0: Yeah, we're going to play game.
1: let's play a game. Play
0: a game. Like games. First, first, I'm going to just let you uh, answer the obituary question. Okay. You know, uh, so it's now 2000 and who knows, and you're 100 years old and you finally passed away. Uh, what would you like your obituary to read?
1: You know, when you go to these funerals, people... You don't hear the truth sometimes and make up the, oh, this person, was his name? you yeah. be sitting there like, now you know they want like that. But I really want to live in my truth and that when people speak at my funeral, it's really uh-huh. how I lived my life. Uh-huh. And I want to be able to touch every person I come in contact with, whether it's one minute, five hours, or for 10 years. I really want to be able to touch them in some sort of way that I was able to help them in some kind of way. I, I have learned that, like I told you earlier, I've, I'm here to be light and to help people. I love it. And I used to be so conflicted with the help people because I used to be like, man, I'm helping. I'm pointing by who pointed to me. Exactly. But when you know that this is what God um, put you on this earth to do, you cannot be mad at that assignment. It's your assignment. assignment. And when you walk through those pearly white gates, God's going to check off if you did your assignment or not. Mm. You know, and and people he he uh, he's assigned you to so many different people. Uh. You know what I mean? So. I want to be sure that when I go through the the pearly white gates, God said job well done. And that assignment that I had you on that you fulfilled that assignment.
0: I, one of my sayings, when people say, man, how you doing? What's been up? I always say, man, I'm just trying to stay in alignment with God's assignment. That's you know? right. <laughs> That's, That's true. Yeah, so. And
1: we go through stuff and we don't always be. I'm yeah. not always the positive Nobody's person. Nobody's perfect, Like right. I think that even this pandemic thing has put me in a, I wasn't depressed, but I was like really, I didn't understand why I was so sad. Right, right, right. I was just so sad during this pandemic and it wasn't working a lot. I mean, I was working so much, but it was like, I was just sad. I don't know. No, so I, I wasn't, got you. I wasn't the best version. I had, I, honest to God, today was the first day I woke up tomorrow and I felt great.
0: Wow. I tell you, I have one, uh, like since we in church praise report, uh, right. <laughs> no, <nah, laughs> the, the, uh, the pandemic had me the same way. And I, and I think, I think it's okay. And everybody should give themselves space and room and time to mm-hmm. just feel what you're feeling and experience what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But I was up and down. Like I couldn't figure out, like, yeah, I was like, yeah. how do I attack my purpose when I can't go nowhere? And one of the things that were Born out of this pandemic is this podcast. Is your podcast? Yeah. There's
1: two type of people that's going to come out of this. The person that um, saw opportunity in this, and the person who didn't.
0: Absolutely. And I got
1: more work out of the pandemic. You know, I picked up a syndicated show for the weekend. You picked up your podcast. Like, you know, there's different things that came up out of this pandemic. You know. So I even though it. I was sad, I did have, I did get new opportunities, but y'all was sad for no reason.
0: I, I was right I just, there with you. Some days. Just, for no
1: reason. I'm like, what is, what
0: Just running through, you, girl? Running through Netflix episodes. Right, you show, know what I'm saying? I
1: through every show on Hulu.
0: <laughs> Got that quarantine weight. Okay. So uh, we about to do rapid fire. Okay. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Okay. The only
0: rule is you have to answer as fast as you can.
1: Woo, let's go. As
0: fast as you can. So I'm going to say a word. You say the first word that comes to your mind. Okay. And then I'll say I'll start a sentence, and you just finish it. Okay. And then it'll be a this or that. I don't know which ones I'm going to do yet. So, all right, let's go with um, legacy.
1: Um, purpose. Um,
0: that's good. Purpose, one one yeah. word is good. Mm-hmm. Grace.
1: Um, how you had on situations. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Black man. Powerful. Phenomenal
1: asking me are you saying black men are phenomenal no nah,
0: that's just the word phenomenal um, me <laughs> there we go that's what i was looking for really favorite food salmon favorite color
1: um nudes favorite movie loving basketball favorite book um gosh i have so many but tony dungy's um well i can't even think of the name of it um the first one he dropped uh, i love that book so much and i buy it for all my homeboys right the one sports. for the
0: year the whole year plan not the year plan oh, okay. the
1: one um, um I'm gonna tell you right now. We're not gonna no.
0: Yeah, we'll get it's it. My,
1: it's, it's it's I love the book, but I I and I buy it for all of my homeboys. I Don't know why I can't think of it.
0: That's dope. Shout out um, to Tony Dungy. I read his book last year from January 1st to December 31st, and unfortunately, I'm quite strength. There. Quiet Strength. strength. Oh, yeah, that yeah, book no, that is, is amazing yeah, no, because it was so like
1: many it. um nuggets in there, and he the seasons in his life he referred to God and things he was going through. That book is my
0: favorite. Nice. I'll put uh, both books, both Tony Dungy books in the episode notes uh, for you guys. Nice. All right. So we're back on the speed round. Keisha Nicole is.
1: Still growing.
0: I am most afraid of.
1: My. uh, 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 What I'm supposed to become. Hmm.
0: If I had one billion dollars, I would.
1: Come on, give it away. Give all my money now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, this is random. Paper or plastic?
1: Plastic.
0: Would you rather be married to someone who's good looking, good looking, who doesn't think you're attractive, or be married to someone who's ugly who thinks you're gorgeous?
1: Jeez, <laughs> the one with the, the ugly guy, the ugly guy. Because I can really just fall in love with any. If I really feel your heart, you yeah. know, so soul, bro. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not one of those people.
0: Oh, that's love. Yeah. All right, last one. Describe yourself in three words.
1: Mm, Jesus Christ! Um, that's two. <laughs> uh, young legend,
0: young legend.
1: Um, I am very soft as much as everybody think I am hard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I am, I'm brave in some aspects, but not all. I'm brave in walking in my purpose, but not like. I'm afraid of dogs and heights and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that.
0: I love it. Mm-hmm. I love how you're such an open book. It's so refreshing <laughs> and it's easy to interview and just bounce off. So uh, the next thing is the people want to know. Uh, and you kind of gave us some already, but the people want to know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? You know. Right
1: now I'm listening to um, Tiana Taylor's brand new album. Yeah. Oh, front to back. Love it. This song called Steel, I love. I absolutely love the photograph soundtrack. Um, Robert Glasper produced or created the producer, the whole thing. Nice. And it's there's two songs on there There's the Lucky Day song, and there's a song Comfortable with Her. But it's the, that's the first and then the last song. But in, in the middle of the album, the whole album is jazz. It's it's just, um, yeah. Shout out to amazing, Robert Glasper, like a Houstonian. It's, oh, it's so it's so beautiful. Hello, Houstonian. I take baths to that. That album Sweet sweet all the sweet time yeah
0: What are you watching You watching anything There's a
1: show on Netflix That I absolutely love Called Sweet Magnolia
0: Okay I haven't and seen it
1: And then on Hulu Little Fires Everywhere
0: Little Fires Everywhere mm-hmm. I haven't seen it Alright um, Any last minute Parting advice That you would want to give To uh, young women Who are still hiding Their light Dimming their light to people, men, women, whoever, somebody trying to break into a radio, mm-hmm. go after their dreams, all the things that you've been able to overcome with your strength and your tenacity and your grit.
1: Well, I want to first say, because I'm literally learning how to be transparent. So be transparent because you are so powerful when you're transparent, because no one can use anything against you when you are who you are and you live in your truth and you're transparent. Be as transparent as you can be, because nobody could ever use that against you. I love it. You know, um, as far as like your career, you can never let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. I remember somebody telling me that I I sound too black in LA, but I sound too a uh, white for Louisville. Like it was like I never, but if if I would have went around and changed who I was, every time somebody said something about me, I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't have that signature sound, I love that it. Keisha sound. So never let anybody. Um, and who cares what the rest of the world is doing, bro? Like that's one thing. Like don't get in this this thing this industry. Um, for the industry Like I tell people it All the time Like I'm in this industry But I'm not of it mm. You know um, And build relationships Build relationships And and do everything I tell people This all the time Operate from the heart That's always my thing Operate from the heart
0: Yo Keisha Nicole <laughs> This has been An amazing episode Thank you Thank you so much ah, So much So much For uh, ah, coming on To the you. transformation chamber You said something <clears throat> I believe in Creating transform, transformation through transparency. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of this podcast, mm-hmm. getting people to be transparent so we can help create transformation for other people. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yo, thank you guys for listening. This has been episode seven of the Transformation Chamber. See you guys next time.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the Transformation Chamber. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. To find out more about Keisha Nicole, follow her on IG at Keisha Nicole. To find out more about the Transformation Chamber, follow me at joshuaT.i or visit my website at joshuatdada.com. Until next time, peace.